Welcome to Growing in Grace, a weekly program featuring informal conversation to help with growth in understanding the gospel and to live in the freedom that comes through Jesus Christ. And now, here's the host of Growing in Grace, Mike Kapler and Joel Berizaki. Hey, hope you're having a great week. I'm Mike Kapler along with Joel Berizaki. We appreciate you taking a few minutes out of your busy schedule to join us here for Growing in Grace. Uh, Joel, always good to be with you as we uh, talk about the goodness of God. Well, I love it, man. I love it. I love it. I love it. As a uh, local sports uh, caster here used to say in Des Moines, uh, I love it. I love it. I love it. I love talking about grace. I love living in grace. I love growing in grace. And I love sharing uh, sharing it with other people as well. You know, uh, what we do here, Cap, is we just talk this thing out. There's so many wonderful aspects of God's grace that, you know, we could talk about this for, you know, weeks and weeks and months and months and years and years to come. So uh, here we are in our little 15-minute uh, weekly thing, uh, talking about some uh, some good things about the goodness of God and His love and grace. You know, last week we were talking about this this whole idea that somehow it's it's about us and what we do to try to maintain this salvation, even to uh, earn it in, in some cases. You know, we were talking about some of the parables, like the parable of the pearl of great price, uh, the parable of the hidden treasure, where in each instance uh, somebody found something wonderful and went and paid a great price for it. And, and we've often put ourselves in that position where we think we're the ones in those parables that are... are have found this great treasure in Jesus, and so we pay the great price to have him. But of course, if we look at these things in, in the reality of the new covenant, that God so loved the world that he gave his son, Jesus Christ, God gave his son, Jesus Christ, uh, for us. And Jesus shed his blood. He paid the price for us because God so treasured us. Uh, and so so we've been talking about that, and we'll, uh, we'll move on to some other things, kind of along the same lines uh, this week, maybe getting into some a few different things too. Yeah, our, our traditional interpretations of much of the Bible, um, they're really quite self-centered, and, and they're rooted very much uh, in Old Covenant thinking. And just another example, as we were talking about parables last week, the prodigal son, I know we've talked about that not too many programs ago, but the, the, usually what, what is traditionally taught, that the spotlight is on the son who left home and then uh, came to himself, got his act together, and decided to come back to the father again. And so we put all the emphasis on the son and, and how he comes back to the father, when really where the spotlight should be is on the father who embraces his son unconditionally when he comes back. In fact, you know, something that usually gets skipped over is as soon as the son showed up on the doorstep, he started telling his father all the things that he was going to do to make up for the things that he had done wrong. And God cut him off. The father cut him off, wouldn't even listen to his empty promises that he wouldn't be able to keep again anyway, and just took him in and then got the big heifer ready and they had a party. And uh, but the, the, so the focus on that story isn't so much the son coming home; it's it's the father's unconditional acceptance, um, regardless of of what that son would have done. Because they're family, you see. You and I are family with the father. Um, there's nothing that can ever change that. Nothing that can ever separate us from that loving relationship. Yeah, and I, mean, I think you're really onto something there, Cap. Because uh, when we read the story, or, you know, the the parable that Jesus told. And we see all the things that the son did and the way that the son viewed himself. I'm not even worthy to be called your son is, is how the, the son viewed himself in front of his father. 
Uh, but none of that mattered. It, it, it just let's just get real here and say and look at the point of the the the, uh, the story here, the parable. What the son, how the son viewed himself, isn't what mattered to the father. What the son was thinking that he was going to do to make himself right, that is not what mattered. But what the father thought of his son and what the father did, that is really what mattered. The father said to his servants, bring out the best robe and put it on him. Bring a ring, uh, put a ring on his hand, sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf and kill it. Let's eat and be merry. Let's have a party. You know why? Because this son of mine was dead and is alive again. You know, the father was concerned all along about his son. He cared about his son. He he ne- the son never lost his sonship. <laughs> you know, the son never had to do anything to earn that sonship in the first place, and he never could do anything to make himself right when he had gone off in prodigal living. The point is that the father viewed his son as a son prior to him leaving, while he was gone, and when he came back, his son who was essentially dead to him came back and his full sonship status was complete there was nothing the son had to do let's have a party you know that was the father's uh, view of this because he loved his son so much well with that in mind steve mcveigh made a statement joel that i find fascinating uh, he said it that what i'm about to share with you may be the greatest single misunderstanding about the nature of salvation And that is the teaching that its essence revolves around a person accepting Christ into his life. Accepting Christ into your life. Have you accepted Christ into your life? Oh, I've accepted Christ into my life. That's a phrase that we often use. And we often ask unbelievers, have you accepted Christ into your life? The idea that Christ wants to come into our lives is taught in a lot of different churches, evangelical and otherwise. So what's really wrong with that? One thing about it is, again, we're putting the focus on on me again a little bit. I accepted Christ. And any time you've got that word I in there, you kind of need to double check and make sure it's supposed to be there. You see, because, again, the real focus here, kind of going off of what we've been talking about the last couple of weeks, the real focus isn't about us accepting him into our lives. The fact is that Jesus Christ now accepts you into his life. Remember when he said uh, to the disciples, you did not choose me, I have chosen you. And so it's more about him accepting us instead of us accepting him. I can't remember if I shared this story on the program, Joel, so I'll do it real quick. One of my favorite movies is, and I might have done this recently, I can't remember, everything kind of runs together here in this busy life, but (laughs) one of my favorite movies is Forrest Gump. And if you remember Lieutenant Dan out on the boat during the storm, he was out there shaking his fist and having it out with God, you know, because he'd had a lot of things go wrong in his life. So there he was out on that boat in the middle of a, a practically a life-threatening storm, having it out with God, screaming at the top of his lungs with him, uh, at him. And uh, then Forrest Gump mentions the next day that he felt like Dan, Lieutenant Dan, had made his peace with God. Well, that's another phrase that gets thrown around a lot. Uh, I I think they've made their peace with God. I made my peace with God. It's not so much about us making our peace with God. Again, it's that God has made peace with us. And so, again, just trying to get our thinking right. Yeah, I saw something similar on on another TV show way back. I don't know if I was a teenager or or child or whatever, but just some uh, sitcom, I think. And and, uh, it came to a serious point in the show where I think somebody was 
was either sick or was dying. I can't remember all the details, but it's just kind of coming back to me. And, and that person said, oh, don't worry, I've made my peace with God. And I'm thinking, even at the time, oh, I, I knew enough. I, I didn't know a whole lot of stuff, but I knew enough to know that I, I don't think a person can make can do anything to make peace with God. I think it's got to be him who's done it because I knew enough about Jesus and God so loved the world that he gave Jesus. And, and you know, uh, But you're right. Uh, this whole idea that it's about us doing something to make ourselves right with God or to make ourselves uh, acceptable to God, uh, the reality, you know, Ephesians 1, uh, 1.6 six says that it's uh, God who has made us accepted in the Beloved. We've been made uh, alive together with Christ. You see, when we were still sinners, God didn't come into us. He didn't send Christ into us. What he did was he killed us, essentially. We were crucified with Christ on the cross. We had to die. And what happened then, when we died on the cross with Jesus, we were crucified with Christ, and then uh, the Bible says he has made us alive together with Christ. He made us alive together with him. It's not like we said, okay, I accept you, Jesus. It's We simply believed what Christ had done, and God therefore made, you know, killed us, our old, uh, who we were in Adam, and made us a new creation, making us alive together with him. So that's good. It's It's not about us accepting him. It's about us believing what he's done, and he makes us alive together with us. And then, of course, he does come to live in us. He does come to dwell in us. And uh, But it's really all the work that he's done that really matters. Yeah, it's his life in us. And, and, and remember in Romans 7, uh, Paul told us that uh, we were placed into the body of Christ, and, and we were crucified with him. We were set free from the law. And, and now we've taken on a new life. And there's, there's a verse of Scripture, Joel, in Galatians. I know you're very familiar with it, Galatians uh, 2.20, that uh, I, I think God continues to try to pound this into my thick skull. I can read it over and over again and still feel like I'm learning from it. And I, I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live. I was crucified with Christ. I no longer live. You see, the life that I have now... And, and for you too, uh, believers in Christ, the life that we have is not our own. It, it's the, the, literally the, the very life of, of God himself that's in us. So, it's not, again, it's not so much about Christ being in your life. It's that we have been invited into his life. Mm. Yeah, that is so, that is so, it just blows the mind that God, you know, the one who created the universe and, and everything that's in it, and that sustains everything. Uh, he's made us alive together with him. Yeah, I think we kind of cheapen the gospel and we cheapen this thing. And, and we don't do it on uh, we don't do it intentionally. I realize this. It's not as if, you know, people are intentionally trying to malign the gospel by saying I accepted Christ. Uh, and we understand what people are saying when they say that. But we're just trying to really deepen, just get in, dig in a little bit here to the, to the grace of God and all that he's done for us, that, you know, we were crucified with Christ, Paul says in this scripture that you read, Cap. And in fact, the verse before that, I love verse 19, for I through the law died to the law that I might live to God. And so, you know, obviously the law couldn't give us life. We had to die. <laughs> the law itself made it so that unless we were perfect, 
we couldn't be justified by it, and, and of course we couldn't. So through that very law, we had to die to that law so that we could live to God. And so we've been made alive together with Christ, having been crucified with him, it no longer being us. It's not we, that we accepted him, but we simply believed what he did. And we were made alive together with Christ, and Christ lives in us, and we live by faith, uh, the faith of the Son of God who loved us and gave himself for us. And so that's our encouragement is that, uh, you know, as we were sharing last week, it's not about us. And uh, this week kind of moving into it's, it's really not that we accepted God, but that he accepted us, and we simply walk in that reality. Yeah, and with that life in us now, instead of working on our own behalf and our own self-effort, we can just rely on him, trust in him. Even Jesus said, I'm not even doing these works. I'm paraphrasing. It, it's the, the Father does the works through me. And Paul said the same thing, Christ working through me. And that's really what this is about because, you see, we're just branches connected to the vine. So the fruit that we bear, uh, we don't even work toward that, but God working through us. Yeah, the fruit is, isn't even our fruit. <laughs> we work so hard in this Christian life to try to bear fruit for God or produce fruit for God, but really, like you say, we're just branches abiding in a vine, and the life is in the vine. And the life simply flows into us because we're attached, we're connected to the vine, and God produces the fruit, and we simply sit there as uh, as branches, and we bear it. We get to partake in the bearing of the fruit uh, that God produces in and through us. It's so beautiful and so wonderful. Why would we ever want to make it about us when the work of God is so much better? Well, hey, we've got to wrap it up. I'm Joel Brzezicki, Mike Kapler with me, Growing in Grace. All of our past programs archived on the Internet at graceroots.org. Uh, check that out, if you will, and tell a friend that we're here as well. Growing in Grace, we'll be back again with you next time for more talk about this wonderful life of growing in God's grace. You've been listening to Growing in Grace with Mike Kapler and Joel Baruzaki, a weekly program featuring informal conversation to help with growth in understanding the gospel and to live in the freedom that comes through Jesus Christ. 